Hey, thank you so much for gathering with us in this way, uh, wherever you are and whomever you are with. Uh, You know, we believe uh, that as we lean into this season together, this unique season, even in the midst of separation, as we choose to seek God and commit to converse with one another, to do life and ministry with each other, that we will discover more of Jesus. We will discover more of ourselves. You know, size and shape of your community group. Uh, You might be meeting with a few people. You might be meeting with a few families. Uh, Maybe you haven't gotten to the place where you're comfortable enough to interact in this way uh, in terms of a community group. That's okay. Uh, We just ask that if you are engaging the content alone, reach out to somebody, have conversations. Make sure that even though you're alone, you're doing life with somebody. Let yourself be known and make sure that you know others as well. And as a reminder, if you still need help to find or form a community group, email us at info at lifechurchvirginia.com and we will get you planted. All right, we're starting a new series today, Imagination and Practice. We're going to read four ver- or excuse me, three verses, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. First, he says, Jesus, follow me and I will make you. The rest of the scripture says fishers of men, but for our purposes, I want to just call that off at that point. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you. Revelation 3 and verse 20. Behold, this is the risen Christ. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And then Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Father, I just uh, pray a blessing over every community group as they gather together. We thank you for the opportunity to grow and worship you with others. And so as we give you these moments and the conversations after and the practices we enter into this week, we ask that your spirit would mold us and shape us, make us more into your image, not just by the preaching of God's word, but by leaning into your presence all of our days. We love you. We honor you. We do give you these moments to help us lean into it more. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, following Jesus is not about getting into heaven then and there. Otherwise, quite simply, all of us, newsflash, haven't made the cut because we're still here. Or, realistically, it just isn't about that. I'm not saying that heaven doesn't exist. I'm simply suggesting that God has more concerns and and God has greater uh, creativity beyond then and there, beyond heaven and that season when we pass. It seems to me that he is deeply invested in our here and now. Consider our scriptures that we read, the invitation of Jesus to follow me so I can make you. The patience of God saying, hey, I'm going to stand at your door and I'm going to knock. The proposition that Paul gives to us that we would lean into transformation without conclusion. Transformation not to a point, but for the rest of our lives. 
We are not supposed to fit God into our lives. We are to be refitted to him. We're not to make efforts and anglings for machinations of our mind or spirit to somehow then garner revelation. We are to make ourselves moldable, shapeable, renewable, dare I say even die to ourselves so that we can then step into what or rather into the whom God has always intended for us to be. The resurrection-shaped life that we can all have. Now, I'd ask again that all of our frames of reference be deeper and wider than then and there, not just heaven and beyond, but rather for it to be so big, so expansive that it would include your marriage. It would include relationship with your spouse. It would include your kids and your parenting. It would include your friends. It would include your enemy. It would include uh, that teammate that gets on your nerves. It would include that classmate, your neighbor. It would include that presidential candidate. It would include that presidential candidate. It would include your here and now. Imagination and practice, this series we're entering into, is about the way of Jesus which is not a way of belief only, nor is it a way that is solely grounded in mundane tasks or meeting objectives and checking boxes. For the first followers of Jesus, their faith was not grounded in how or where they worshipped or what building they went to to worship, but actually how they lived their lives. It wasn't until Acts chapter 11 in the city of Antioch that people called the first follower of Jesus Christians. Up until that point, the followers of Jesus were known as disciples, matetes, which means those who are students. They were consistently seen as people who were learning. They were also known as those of the way because their essence of Jesus was not just, hey, where do you worship? Hey, where do you go for one section of time a week? But their lives were different, filled with things like when Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount, hey, pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Love those who are your enemies. Or, or John chapter 13, verse 35, that says, hey, they'll know you're my disciples, not because you go to Life Church or, or King of Glory or you dress up on Sunday mornings, but you'll, they'll know you're followers of me, the words of Jesus. They'll know you're followers of me because you love each other, because you serve each other, because you extend mercy to one another. Read 1 John in your own time. It's such an incredible exposition of the practicalities of following Jesus. You know, Josephus and other early authors that are contemporaries of the Apostle Paul noted that one of the things that was so incredible about the followers of Jesus was their Sabbath. The fact that they rested, they stopped and ceased, and in the ceasing, worshiped God, but also found rest for themselves. That spoke, that practice spoke to other people and communities. You see, the way, the practices, the, the pathways of the Christian faith, they don't earn anything. They don't prove anything in an achievable sense, but as we lean into practices, they do uncover deep things about ourselves, how difficult it is to pray, how difficult it is to read the scriptures, how difficult it is to confess or lament. And they also nudge us to become who God wants us to be. 
Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul writes beautifully, It is no longer I that lives, but Christ which lives in me. Another letter he writes, Colossians chapter 3, Hey, you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Those powerful scriptures are not speaking to something coming down and just happening to us but rather the dying to self and choosing to go another way. And practices help us engage that on a daily basis. The title of our conversation this morning is, This Should Hurt. I want to frame a larger canvas for all of us to illustrate our lives on than what we're normally used to and challenge us to include more practices of our belief in who Jesus is and what he did. So I'll just take a deep breath and lean into this. You know, in this election season, in this culture where almost everyone is shouting their own opinions on every platform as gospel, and and I mean that when I say that, everybody's offering their opinions and, and their directions as gospel, as the good news, follow this way, do this thing, and we will be brought to the promised land. We are inundated by people, organizations, movements, screaming, pick me, I'll make you and us better, Uh, they're terrible, they're wrong, we're right. In the midst of all the furor, in the midst of all the anger and vitriol and just, just noise, Jesus stands there meekly and says, hey, follow me if you want to. It says, I stand at the door and I knock. Just picture All the political candidates, all their text messages that you're getting, all the phone calls that you're getting, all the media, all the ads, and there's Jesus. Jesus stands and waits for our availability to be given to him. If I'm being honest this morning, just that differentiation alone makes me want to go his way. Forget heaven. I don't really care about beautiful things like full healing, resurrection, a return to eating, authentic intimacy, all those wonderful things. And I I do. But just the way Jesus handles himself, just the way that Jesus handles others is more than enough for me to say, yeah, I want to be with him. Here's the thing. As we choose the choosing of Jesus for ourselves, something that is miraculous should become normal. Change, growing, expanding our souls, the healing that I've mentioned previously, transformation without conclusion, not just to a point, but for the rest of our lives, the ability to embrace new and see hope in every circumstance. Some in the church, universal, particularly evangelical and charismatic Pentecostal movements, have for too long created a construct where God's Spirit comes down and does the changing of us. As if we sit idly by and He just does His thing. And if He doesn't do His thing, then we're just fine the way that we are. I'll be honest, the best lies have in them the most truth. That construct makes me consider Mark chapter 10 where blind Bartimaeus throws off his cloak and runs to Jesus and Jesus heals him in an instant. Or when he in John chapter 11 raises Lazarus 
from the dead as he's in the tomb. The woman with the issue of blood who presses through the crowd and and touches Jesus' garment and she's healed in an instant from something that she could not get free from for years. Or the woman who's caught in the middle of adultery and God in the form of Jesus offers her mercy and a new future in a moment. Make no mistake. God has the miraculous for us, for all of us. And I don't just mean believers today in Jesus, but all of humanity. God has hope and change and healing for every one of us in the human race. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, God has new. Transformation without conclusion. But where is our cloak throwing? Where is our crying out to God and receiving his foolish advice? Move away the stone. No, 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 don't move the stone, Jesus. It's going to smell funky in there. He's been in there for four days. There's, there's been a habit and a pattern of unhealth. There's been a habit and pattern of addiction. There's been a habit and a pattern of fill in the blank. When was the last time that we took the foolish advice of Jesus and did something to allow him to do something? Where's the fighting through the crowded life of work and soccer practice and basketball practice and baseball practice and all of these practices? And that's just my life. I don't know whatever else you have going on. Where was the, where's the fighting through a crowded life so that we can make space for Jesus? Like the woman with the issue of blood as she fought through a crowd to just touch him for a moment. Where's the awkward acknowledgement that your accusers are empty? The nagging narratives, the self-hatred, the insecurity? Where's the awkward acknowledgement that your accusers are empty and that God's acceptance of you is entire? And where, where is the going and no more sinning in our lives? When we discover that, yes, something is unhealthy. Yes, something is deconstructing our lives and we choose to move another direction from it. Over the next 13 weeks, we're going to use the life of David, whose supernatural Roma is never completely overwhelmed by his stench of normal. David has lots of human elements for us to draw from for imagination and practice. And each week, we'll conclude with an imagined exhortation and a corresponding practice, which when engaged, we believe by God's Spirit, will begin to craft us to be who only we can be by God's grace. So today, I want to conclude with this imagine, this expanding reality. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, to give you hope and a future. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 about taking your thought captives. Again, I'm speaking to the prospect and the possibility of imagining. In Genesis chapter 3, as God comes on the scene after the sin of Adam and Eve, he says, who told you you were naked? Again, expanding our ability to imagine. Who told you? Fill in the blank. In terms of a practice, these are going to help engage us, manage the tension of going through the motions, but rather allow the motions to go 
through us. This is not a new idea. In Exodus chapter 20, God delivers the Ten Commandments to a nation of Israel that is coming out of bondage. And these are not rules and regulations to just help them live differently. It's so that they stop acting like slaves. So they stop acting like the bondage that they have only known their entire lives. It's these rules, these Ten Commandments that when lived into will teach them and show them and make them into people who are no longer slaves, but rather free. Breakthrough would be their portion. Jesus doubles down and and really does a beautiful exposition of Exodus 20 in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so the practices that we are going to work through, and these are not entire. You can find so many wonderful practices as you follow in the way of Jesus. But the ones that we are going to focus on over the next 13 weeks are prayer and meditation. We did a practice of that sort last week. Scripture reading, Sabbathing, lamenting, confessing, and communing or celebrating communion with people. As an opportunity today, I want to ask a few questions. Do you know who or what frames your imagination? When was the last time you did something that was new, something that was alternative to who you normally were? And for our practice this week, I want to encourage and challenge everyone towards communion. Communion is so much more than just a little cup of juice and a cracker or wine and bread. It's about gathering with people. It's about being mindful of what Jesus accomplished on the the cross. He, He says, when you do this, when you eat and drink, do this in remembrance of me. Consider who I am. Consider what I have accomplished. And so there are seven days in a week. I'm not suggesting you do that every day, three times a day. If you do, hey, that's awesome. But I would challenge every single one of us to at least engage in communion, gather with others, and consider the accomplishment of Christ on the cross. Eat together, talk with one another, not just about that, but share your life and allow their lives to be shared with you. Do that at least four times. Hey, seven days, three meals a day, You have 21. Hey, I'm a math genius. You've got 21 opportunities to do this. I'm asking you to do it at least four times. Engage in the practice of communion. Share your life with someone. Allow them to share their life with you. And just be mindful of Christ's accomplishment on the cross. Let me leave you with this benediction. May we throw cloaks this week. May we reach into our lives and make small spaces for Jesus who only needs a little. May the practice of communion be allowed the oxygen it needs to transform who we are. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better.